This is trombonist Marshall Jilks, and you're listening to Behind the Note Podcast with Christopher Davis. You're listening to Behind the Note Podcast, brought to you by a musician for musicians. Here, you will get advice toward a successful music career. This show is made to educate, inspire, motivate, and empower. Now, here is your host, Chris Davis. Hello, thank you so much for pressing play. Merry Christmas. We're so glad to have you today. Do you want to put out your own record? Should you use a label or should you do it yourself? That's what we're going to talk about today. And we have a great guest because today's guest is formerly with Origin Records, which is an independent recording label. And he's also a fabulous trumpet player and has worked with Dana Hall and in the Glenn Miller Orchestra as a pianist and a trumpet player. And he has a, a lot of great performances under his under his belt. He has released several albums under Seattle's Origin Records and has peaked the top 100 for national airplay in America. It's my pleasure to introduce to you right now, Mr. Chad McCullough. Hi, Chad. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We're glad to have you. Chris, it's my pleasure. All right. So I'm sitting right here with Chad in his office right now, and we're going to have a good time. we got an in-studio guest and I always love that. <laughs> so, Chad, we want to get to know you a little bit. I just introduced you, but tell us some of your favorite hobbies. Uh, okay. Uh, I am a trumpet player, which is a hobby sometimes and a profession sometimes. I'm kind of a big car guy, and I love coffee. Now, I'm a coffee guy, too, kind of. I don't get real deep into it like some people do. What, tell me about the coffee you like. Uh, I am an espresso guy. I have a hand grinder and a La Pavani espresso machine that keeps me company in the mornings. That sounds great, man. I'm going to have to come get coffee yep. in Anytime. your kitchen. Anytime. Because all I do is go to Starbucks. <laughs> we could talk. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Help me out. I have Chad here because I know that he has some experience in the recording industry. And I want to talk about that a little bit. So... Tell us, what company did you work for? I spent seven years working with Origin Records in Seattle. In that time, we kind of took that label and built it into one of the largest independent record labels in the world, I guess. Um, I was responsible for kind of helping with all the day-to-day production stuff. Uh, we would, I would deal with a lot of the artists. I was involved with the artist selection process. We would do... I was doing a lot of photography. I was doing a lot of, it was very like grassroots. There was, I was the kind of like number three on the totem pole. And we also ran festivals. So it was kind of a music, it was a music production setup. Now, did you guys start this from scratch? Uh, John Bishop did. John Bishop was the owner and kind of the impetus. He's also a fantastic drummer in Seattle and uh, has been on, I don't, you know, hundreds of records and, He's world-class drummer, and he started it with his student, uh, who is also a great drummer, Matt Jorgensen. Then they kind of took me on, and it initially started as I came in just to intern for a week when I had originally moved back to Seattle, and then it kind of blossomed into this thing where we were setting up international distribution. I, I think that they had probably 200 records, maybe, 150 records out, and had been going for... 11 years, I think. And I came in and in those next couple of years, we really, it 
grew quite a bit in um, size, both of artists and releases. It sounds like you have multiple roles. So let's talk about some of those roles and, and break it down a little bit. Sure. So the production. Yeah. What does that mean? So the way that a lot of independent record labels work now, and especially in the jazz um, genre, is we are approached by artists with a finished product. And that's in air quotes. But of a product where they have gone into the studio and uh, have recorded and probably mastered and are sending out these demo CDs um, to get interest from labels. Now I'm going to interrupt you yeah. right here because we had Near Felder and James Brandon Lewis on the show earlier. Yeah. Episode number two was Brandon Lewis, James Brandon Lewis, and I don't remember what episode Near was in. Okay. But I'll link to that. I just want the listener to know that, that they can go back and hear that both of their stories mm-hmm. and learn about the process they went to. And now it's great. We're going to hear your perspective. Yeah. So this is really good. <laughs> okay. So why would... Why would a musician come to you with a finished CD? What's what's the advantage to them? With the market being the way it is and with the music industry in general being the way it is, um, there's a lot of grassroots projects and there's a lot of projects where people are putting stuff together and they want to own it. They want to get the profit, which is also maybe in air quotes, but... Uh, to keep ownership of the project, there that's where a, a record label like Origin really benefits, um, or, or where the artist benefits from putting a record out with Origin, where because the artist is financing everything, the way it works is that it, it works to be just about what it would cost for you to self-release an album. Yet instead of that, you're getting the, the group mentality in a positive way of being associated with a label, and what that means, I think, if we were to kind of break that down, is like you're associated with other artists that are also on that label. You have an identity other than yourself promoting you. And when you sign on with a label, not just Origin, but any sort of independent label like that, you are gaining the relationships that that label has built up over so many years. You know, in Origin's case, they have been mailing cds to djs in radio stations all over the world for years and years and years so these djs know they're going to get a box of cds you know three four cds a month that they know are of a certain quality and something is going to work for their show and that's a a relationship that has cost you know, a considerable expense in mailing stuff to them over time, cultivating that, talking to these DJs, uh, knowing what they like, what they could review, what they don't like, and, you know, building on that, hopefully to like grow the circle of influence so that when some artist comes and says, this is my new release, the label says, yeah, this is really good. It's it's in the style of music that we want to be associated with then they can take it and they can put it into the system and the artist benefits from being a part of that. It's kind of like jumping into the river a little bit where you get that, that current going. And, you know, as a uh, independent artist or um, an artist on a limited budget or an artist with specific promotional musical goals, 
it works out really well. It's really beneficial for them. I got so many questions now based off just that little bit. Number one, what what do you look for? Uh, or I can say, how will a musician be accepted? That's on the musician as much, much as it's on the label. It's up to the musician to know the type of music that that label promotes and to know if that is a good fit for their project, right? If I make a record and it's all smooth jazz, there are certain labels that would tailor to that and certain labels. I'm not going to send that to Sunnyside. So if the, if the music matches with what the company puts out, does that automatically mean they'll be accepted? No, no, so no. So what, what are they looking for? But, uh, well, okay, so uh, in, in terms of origin, because I know that from personal, you know, we were listening to a certain thing that I think if you kind of listen across the board, you can hear with those albums where it's, it's modern jazz, a really high caliber um, it's and it started out of kind of John Bishop and his friends and the music that they were making. And so in a way, it all kind of has a clear path back to that. I think with a lot of these labels, it's stuff that the owner liked that they wanted to promote. You know, if we look at ECM, it's kind of the same where like he's Manfred Eicher is promoting creative music. Um, which initially started out as like European creative music. And of course, then the circle gets broader and you get more artists in the stable that are like-minded or that are associated with somebody that was on the label. I understand now. Yeah. Okay, so once someone joins, joins forces with artists and, and record label, yeah. for the artist, does that automatically mean more work, more concerts? no. Um, but what I think it means is a label can serve a piece of the pie or it's a piece of the puzzle. Um, if you as an artist, and we had this happen plenty of times where somebody would say, this is my original music. I'm a saxophone player. Here's my quartet. And it's pretty good. It's their first record, whatever, but it's, it's good. And then call, a month later and say, so what, what have you done for me? That was always slightly misguided where it's a label can really benefit an artist. If the artist is out promoting uh, an, an independent label can really benefit an artist. If they are out playing gigs because of the sales from the bandstand, you know, different labels have different pricing structures. Um, some labels you have to buy the CD from as an artist. Um, some labels give you CDs. And, you know, if you're selling 100 CDs on a gig, the amount that you're able to work with is much different if you sell five CDs on a gig. And so the way that the breakdown works for the payment of an artist it dictates whether or not a label is good for them. Um, if they have somebody doing radio promotion, if they have somebody doing media promotion, if, they have, if they're out playing in different cities... Um, you know, f for somebody to release a record and they live in Alabama and they are n never going to play outside of their small city and they have a gig at the college or whatever, that's great. But is it worth that for them to get airplay in Philadelphia? Or is it worth that them, is it worth the money for them to get airplay in New York? Or, you know. Okay. So I'm trying to bridge the gap and I think I'm starting to understand. So the the benefit of having a label 
Because it, it almost sounds like a musician could do these things on their own. Absolutely. Okay, so the benefit of having a label is the relationship of the label that they have established, as you said, yep. um, previous years or whatever. And number two, that the artist can be played locally on the radio. Yeah. So before an artist arrives to Atlanta, if they're not from Atlanta, they can be playing on the radio before they arrive. Is that accurate? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, I think if you want to get your music out there and you want to do it on a scale that, whatever scale you envision that being, whether you want worldwide airplay, whether you want nationwide airplay, whether you just care about your local scene, whatever, if that local scene is Chicago, if that local scene is Tuscaloosa, if it's Palm Springs, whatever. Um, I think having a clear idea of that scale and then finding a label that identifies with that. So, for example, with Origin, there was worldwide airplay. Um, and so for myself personally, if I put out a record with them, it's great because when I go and tour in Europe, the radio stations have my music. If I tour in the States, I can go from city to city and have radio stations that I can contact and say, I'm playing in Baltimore tomorrow. Just wanted to let you know, uh, you know, or somebody will call and say, Hey, we saw you on the program for this festival would you like to do an interview and so you know you're building those relationships that you can then cultivate as an artist but i think to go back to that point that's where it's a piece of the pie like it is on the artist still to be able to reach out to people and to be actively pursuing those things um as opposed to a major label where the major label is doing all of that work and the artist is basically employed by the label touring doing you know i see so what's the benefit for the label to accept a musician a couple things the label grows in stature status because they are associating with a new artist a lot of the labels charge money to the artist to be on the label so once you're accepted there is a a fee structure in the case of Origin, it's something where it's close to what it would cost for you to self-release. So as an artist, if you're looking to self-release, you could. If you wanted to get your music out to a wider audience and be associated with this stable of musicians, then it would be, it would be wiser to be associated with a, an independent label. If you are Chris Potter or Avishai Cohen or these, you know, jazz superstars that's where the major labels are willing to invest you know thousands and thousands of dollars into your album because they're going to get their return um you know a major label is not going to invest a hundred thousand dollars in my project because nobody knows who i am so so today in 2015 is a, is a musician better off with or without in your opinion in your humble opinion i think it's really different for every every situation is different. I and, and I have um, had many many cups of coffee with several different people talking about: Do I put a record out on a label? Do I not? And I think that it's some musicians. It's really really wonderful. Um, some it's a waste of money and a waste of time. And um, that's not a slight at labels, and it's not a slight at musicians. It's just knowing your goals 
and aligning them with something. And if they're misaligned, malaligned, whatever, that's where it breaks down. So give us a, an example of someone that's a good fit and it would benefit them. Artists that put out records on Origin Records where it was a good fit were artists that had quite a few gigs and used that uh, CD release to generate some excitement with the press, um, used it to generate some excitement with the radio, were able to sell CDs from the bandstand, were able, as a side note, to, to generate enough interest that they were getting CD sales from physical CDs in stores, on Amazon, also the digital market. Um, and they were able to build off of all of that excitement and then follow up with another one in a year or two. And as a, you know, as a reviewer, you're working for Downbeat Magazine, you're getting how many hundreds of CDs? You get one and it's the third CD by somebody that you recognize and you go, oh, you know what? I'm actually going to sit and listen to this. I'm actually going to, you know, and so it's um, the people that are out giving clinics that are out being active and, and where, and it's, it's like any other relationship, I think, where it's most beneficial when it's mutually beneficial, right? Makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And what you said about making a CD in a year, and, and then following up with the, with another, I totally understand that concept uh, because, first of all, for myself, I have a CD that's coming out within a matter of weeks. Awesome. So that's really cool. But with the podcast here, mm-hmm. the meeting we're speaking on right now, I, I get to see this on a daily basis. So you have, and I'm just saying this for people who don't already know. So, you know, I'll I put out one episode and immediately the people who are subscribed download and then i don't know let's say for six weeks approximately those download numbers just continually go up right yeah and then after the sixth week we're just saying that for argument's sake Mm -hmm. it kind of tapers off yeah and eventually nobody's listening to that episode right maybe one or two at a time Mm -hmm. however i'm going to put out a new episode next week and that happens over and again yeah so over the life of the, not one episode, but the podcast, we're gaining fans. Yep. So with the musician, that sounds like this is the exact same thing. So you have a CD, which in my uh, scenario right now, we're talking about the podcast, CD, podcast, same thing. Yep, yep absolutely. So, so you get all those sales. They're going to taper off, then they're going to stop yep. eventually. Yep. That's why you need to continue yep. well, to make I a think, new product. Um Different people put out records for different reasons. There is the reason of, I'm really great, check me out. That's funny, (laughs) because it's true. (laughs) There is the reason of, you know, I'm really smart, check me out. And this is really specific to, not specific to, but like, I'm speaking from like the jazz point of view, right? People put out a record in order to get gigs, or... They put out a record because of a situation where maybe a friend of theirs is in town or maybe there's a, a group that's in town that they can record with or certain circumstances align where it's like, we should make a record. We've been playing together for a long time. So-and-so is here. Great. You know, so circumstances will dictate, um, you know, are you putting out this record to prove something? Are you putting out this record because 
you actually, this is just music that you enjoy and you want people to hear it also. Um, and because of that, that direction dictates, I think, a lot of the future. You know, For example, if you're putting out a record just to get some gigs and to sell on gigs, that's a certain thing. Um, it, does it need label support? Does it need airplay internationally? Doesn't hurt, but it doesn't help a ton, right? Um, if you, you know, are trying to put something out where you want to really prove that you are great at your craft and you have hired the top guys to, you know, to say, look, I can keep up with these guys and establish yourself as, as a one on that level, then, you know, being in front of as many people as possible is definitely important so that people then say, you know what, Chris, you can hang with those guys. Great. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and then it's up to you to, to run with that. And I think, um, you know, again, with the piece of the puzzle concept, like, what do you do the next day? How do you work on it? And uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I ever heard um, in, in terms of the recording industry was from Dave Douglas, who is a great mentor. And he, I had given him my first CD before it was out. And I was so excited. And he goes, oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's out now. What are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and he said, well, when a CD comes out, you go home, you sit there and you drink a beer and you congratulate yourself. And then you wake up the next morning and start working on the next one. That's right. Because now, number one, it's recorded. So you have to promote it. That's yes. like, that's yeah. when the real work begins, yeah. right? And then secondly, you, like you said, you have to work on the next one because yep. people are already going to be anticipating yep. the next one. And, you know, what? It, why, I think, why are we doing this? Uh, you're doing it because you want a, a long career. You want longevity in the music. You want to form relationships with as many people as you can. And so to have a label on board is one more relationship that g grows your circle, that helps you to help everyone else. I got a couple more questions for you. Okay. Now, I want to I ask you, how has working at the record company helped you in your personal career to date, if at all? Oh, yeah, I think it's totally helped. I think it was a wonderful thing for me because... I was able to meet a lot of great musicians and I was able to be peripherally involved in a lot of great projects, gain a lot of skills that have helped me later, whether it's photography, design, web development, any of that kind of stuff, um, promotional concepts, writing, writing um, bios, writing promo sketches. I want to talk about that promotion that promotional part. Yeah. Just give us a few quick tips on what the package should look like, what the print should include. Different labels have different design concepts. If you are pitching a project to a label, it doesn't need a ton of stuff. Sometimes we would get promotional packs from the artists with 8 by 10 glossy photos and bags of tea that says, In, drink this tea while you're listening to my music. That's 1998, man. <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised. And so, you know, that I think is, then we would get the opposite, which was like a burned CD with like scribbled in crayon letter, here's my new album. And, you know, you'd listen to that and go, wow, this, this is actually awesome. Um, and you'd listen to the ones with the 8x10 glossy photo, and some of those were really good. 
but I think that that kind of like the playing field is so leveled that um, knowing who you're sending to and promoting to the record label in that way in like it's casual enough. I mean, you don't want to look like you didn't get dressed in the morning, but at the same time, like it's very easy to overdo it. And that's a turnoff. So I'm going to interpret that as you saying, know who you're trying to work with, know their taste, do your homework, do your research and make your product look accordingly. Yeah. And absolutely. And, and the same goes from the record label out concept where, uh, a lot of labels have a certain look. You know, if I say ECM, it instantly conjures up images that are maybe blurry and dark and mysterious. And that influences how you hear the music coming from those records because you have a visual that you're interpreting that you're you're interpreting along with the music. Um, with Origin, all of this stuff, John Bishop does all the design work and they, it has a very specific look because of that. And we would get sometimes people that would say, here's the art that I want to use. And John would say, this doesn't really fit our model. And it's that kind of brand integrity that helps to set labels apart from each other and helps to set um, a visual distinction in a world that's flooded with CDs. And especially now when most people don't even get the actual physical CD, anything you can have that will tie things together uh, as your brand definitely helps. If a musician makes an agreement with the label, all of the music that they created, are they giving that up or do they maintain ownership of their of their work? That depends from label to label. With Origin, which I can speak to, um, the artist retains all the rights of their music. With some labels, oftentimes it's the labels that will initially pay an artist. They are buying that music. They are buying the actual master. They own it. And then the artist has to then pay the label to buy their CD. And they'll, you know, usually it's $5 or something you'd pay to a label um, that owns your music. With Origin, the artist still retains all ownership. So um, that's appealing to a lot of people. And, you know, one, I've released records on labels that have done both business models. And in the end, it basically balances out because the artist is paying for the production and the manufacturing of the CDs with, with a label. It makes sense for them to own the project. If a label is coming to you and saying, we want your music, here's some money to record it. Then they want to own the rights of what you've done. I see. So if an artist does give up rights, you're telling me that they haven't necessarily recorded it yet, that it, the record company is paying depends. for the process of the recording. Some, some will. Okay. Um, some will buy the master, you know. I see. Um, you'll get a, some of them, you know, you get a, here's a, whatever, well, let's just say $10,000. So you pay the guys, you pay for the studio, and all of that comes out of that $10,000. You make the C- you pay for the CDs. You pay an, a graphic designer. The label ch- clears it. They put their logo on it. Good. There you go. And then the label owns that stuff. Some labels have graphic designers in house. They pay after the fact. Um, you know, there's a whole wide spectrum. Uh, some labels make the artist pay for everything. Um, and so finding one that aligns with your business model is the most important. 
Um, a lot of times people just jump because they have a label that said yes, and here's some money, and you've clearly made it. Uh, go out and buy a new car. And the reality is, in the long term, you want to make sure that the label structure benefits everyone because right. you're entering into a relationship with somebody. And business relationships are very bad when they're one-sided. Oh, that's any relationship. But <laughs> yes, we understand. All right, I have one more question for you. Yeah. What's needed to have a successful CD campaign, in your opinion? One where the word gets out and everybody's excited about the release to come. I think a successful CD campaign is also dependent on your master game plan. Ultimately, social media plays a role. Getting people who are excited about you and about your music involved or getting the word out to them. The crowdfunding is an option now. I have mixed thoughts on that. Let's talk about crowdfunding for a second. Okay. Let's, let's hear the thoughts. Because I, I talk to a lot of people... And they are either totally against it or for it. Which side are you on? I am more against it than for it. Okay, I'm for it. So this okay. is great. And while I'm for it, I totally paid for my project out of pocket, yeah. 100%. However, I'm st I still support the crowdfunding. So Here's where I think crowdfunding is wonderful. Okay. Um, it serves. It can serve as a platform to excite people about your project. It can serve as a platform to get some pre-sales. It can serve, uh, I do enjoy, for example, the Kickstarter kind of level where it's like, you know, if you want to take a lesson from me as an artist, you're a fan of my music. For this level, you get the CD and we're going to have a Skype session for an hour and you can ask me questions. That's that kind of thing of making people aware and giving access to people is wonderful. I think it quickly gets it cheapens the experience really quickly when it becomes, now we're going to sign my pet and send you my dog. And I've got a trumpet that was in the bathroom for, and this had a plant in it, but now I'm going to send it to you. And yeah. you know, that, that it gets absurd really quickly. And at the end of the day, it seems like, who are we kidding? We're all in this together. We all know the deal. We all know that it's expensive to make records. We all should be helping each other because that's how good music gets made. And if somebody needs help because the music is great and they need some money and somebody else is out touring with Prince and they're making a pretty little penny, cool, great, wonderful. Either so way. what are the cons? Why, why, why do you disagree I think that, well, like I said, like it cheapens it when everybody's trying to wine and dine with, I see. you know, um, and I think it, I think a lot of projects, especially with the Kickstarter thing, I think just the way that it's set up, people don't get close to their goal. You can put in your own money. Yeah, te yeah, and technically you could. Yeah, yeah that's just, true. You know, and then it's like, oh, an anonymous donor just dumped yeah. thousands of dollars and it's like yeah we all know what's going on and it's mom yeah <laughs> or <laughs> well, well that's good you, you need your mom to support your project <laughs> but yeah, uh <laughs> your mom's gonna love those skype lessons <laughs> that's funny but no you you proved some points that i i agree with number one you're gonna you're creating a demand so yep. you have you have pre-sales that's a big deal yeah absolutely because i know a lot of people 
who ordered the thousand CDs from disc makers and it's in their garage. Yeah. Yeah. I ordered a thousand business cards and it took me a few years just right. to give them away. Right. So <laughs> if you're trying to sell yeah. a thousand CDs, it could take a while if you're depending on how much you're working. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you have that you have that uh, pre-sale. You're creating buzz, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. But people are getting excited. I like that. Yeah. There are other ways I think you can do it besides there are. asking for money. That's true. And and I think the most successful that I've been involved with and the most successful that I've seen have been figuring out a way to engage other people, uh, how to engage your fan base, which is in a way a really advanced, like Kickstarter or something, you know, generic crowdfunding is a small part of that. Like if you were to do a CD release uh, or a pre-release concert before you went into the studio and you invited people and it was like a dinner and there were... That's exactly what I did, by the way. That You're brilliant. It, you're... it worked out and it was great because I made a couple thousand dollars yep. and it was, uh, it was a small but powerful crowd. That's, you know, yep. that's, that's how it is. And I had a price point. Actually, I think I made a, I think I made a podcast about this yeah. and I can, you guys can look it up. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know my show notes. I don't know my shows. Like, go to episode number seven. All your answers are there. I'm sorry. But um, that's exactly what I did. Yep. I had a price point of $30. Mm-hmm. Clearly, this is a fundraiser concert for a CD that is coming up. Yep. And there was food there, but that was a surprise as a, as a thank you. Okay. They didn't know that. Yep. And it was just a plus. Yep. And they were thankful for that. I and think... It's yeah. clear that people want to be involved and are they happy do. to give. That's Everyone true. is happy to give. It makes them feel good. It makes you feel good. It's a beneficial thing. I think where the crowdfunding falls short and where the, your idea is is really wonderful is that you're getting your with the the just asking for money. Yes, people can give. They're happy to. But if you're involving them in an experience. It's a whole other level. That's the key word, experience. Yes. People love experiences. Musicians love experiences. Think about the best gigs you've played. They've been where you were treated well, where, you know, it might have been this weird situation, but it sticks in your head because actually the music was good. Everybody was pretty thankful for being there. You felt like you got what you deserved, whether it was financially or emotionally or whatever. It just... It was a special moment. And the more you can give those to your audiences, um, whether it's a small group of people that are donors, um, whether it's your friends, whether it's the people that follow you on Facebook, you know, that I think more and more those relationships, building that, growing that circle can really help spread the word about your new record, help you financially. And everybody walks away feeling like, they got something out of it. They had a pers- private house concert. They drank some wine. They were involved. And that's pretty wonderful. It is wonderful. It's so wonderful. <laughs> we're going to stop the episode right here. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chad, for your time. We appreciate you. Thank you. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for pressing play one more time. And I also want to thank you for subscribing on iTunes and getting the downloads automatically every time the show is posted. Thank you so much. And please go to iTunes or Stitcher, however you're listening to this, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening through right now, and leave us some feedback. Let us know what you thought of this show 
and previous shows just write something in the comments that's called rating and reviewing the show we need that to be visible and thank you so much again merry christmas and we'll talk to you in the new year god bless you